friends, welcome back to another very special episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast. The show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend who wants to be loud and 90s obnoxious and also 70s mysterious and esoteric. Alex Tandino. Oh. I don't know. Guys, I hope that'll make sense as we go through, but probably not. I think it makes right, about guys. as much sense as what we watched. <laughs> All right. Yeah, if you're confused, the best way is to just make another more confusing movie. Just All right, guys, before guys. we get to today's episode, a little business. Guys, you know this October, we are in our horror movie mega marathon. 31 days, 31 pods. We descend to the depths of the horror beast for you guys with you guys make sure you have all your notifications on you should be getting a show every single day any shares retweets all the good stuff you guys do for us we appreciate that thank you another thing we'd love to ask you to do join our patreon patreon.com slash film alchemist pod guys it's the absolute best way to help our show as well as making sure that it's the show that you want and deserve for as little as a dollar a month, guys. You can get in, join our community, and as you go up the Highlander ranking system, you actually get to select the movies that you specifically want us to discuss in a Patreon-exclusive library. So we know that all dollars are hard-earned, so we try to work really hard for you guys uh, to earn those as well. We're hoping to see some new faces uh, over the next coming months. So for those of you who support us, thank you. It means the world to us. For those of you who are about to, thank you as well. Make sure you go to YouTube. The channel is Film Alchemist. If you want to see our sensual, heavenly, cherubic faces and abs, go to YouTube. The channel is Film Alchemist, right? Video versions of pods there, some other stuff we do. Uh, working you on ideas constantly over there. Yeah, only because you got to pay for that on our OnlyFans. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> if I ever have abs, first day one OnlyFans. <laughs> Don't worry. It'll never happen, guys. It will never happen. All right. The email, uh, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Make sure you leave us a rating and review wherever you find the show. Help us fight back against the al algorithmic studio executive that takes our movie from us and then gives it back, but with no money or lighting crew. Helps us out, guys. Thank you. <laughs> We're on all the social media that you're on, guys, so find us there. We're easy to get a hold of, and we love to hear from you guys. Oh, right. Boy, oh, boy, guys. We've seen heaven. We've seen more hell. Today, we go to the very rocky, rocky bottom of uh, the Exorcist series. I would actually say this isn't – I don't think – okay. Before we get started, right, today we are doing a little <laughs> bit of a different setup. We are discussing uh, Exorcist, the beginning, slash Dominion, a prequel to The Exorcist. We're going to do this as one episode where we compare and contrast the two versions of this movie. This is essentially the same movie told by two different directors in two wildly different styles. And the styles actually create an absolute different message for each film. Uh, I remember being in college and going to the theater and seeing Exorcist the beginning and being like, wow, that was a fun, wild, if not kind of dumb ride. Um, I had a good time. And you come back to find out drama was afoot. This was before I was really, you know, the Internet was everywhere. Uh, so we just kind of heard tidbits about this. Alex was so gracious uh, to read up on all this. Would you like to lay the groundwork as to why these two versions of the same movie exists. Cause I remember when dominion came out being like, Oh cool. Another exorcist movie and being like, wait, I've seen this, but then I hadn't. All right. I'm going to let you yes. go. Do your thing. Way back in the year, 2002 or 2003. <laughs> Come over um, on old Pappy Dandino's knee and let me sit on your old Pappy Dandino's lap. And let me tell you a story <laughs> guys. No. Um, so when the uh, prequel to The Exorcist was proposed, actually originally attached was John Frankenheimer. John Frankenheimer's in a lot of really great uh, action movies, probably most famously as being the director. <laughs> Not most famously, but one of our, at least in the in the film Alchemist-verse, most famously being the director who uh, stepped in to do The Island of Dr. Moreau. Oh, yeah. 
Good guy. Good Either way, John dude. Frankenheimer was one of the like old school '70s directors. He was very. He's an. He was an. He was an awesome director. He directed one of my all time favorite movies, uh, the uh, Manchurian Candidate. Um, but basically, he was one of the big '70s directors. Uh, older gentleman. He was originally signed on to direct the script, which was originally written, I believe, by Will William Will, uh, William Wisher, who everyone would know as the guy who wrote uh, Terminator and Terminator Two with James Cameron, and a guy named Caleb Carr, Rock which solid. I'm fairly which I'm fairly certain this is his only writing credit. Um, <laughs> right now, you're you're laying out a good pitch, right? If I was a studio exec, I'd be getting yeah. a little chub right now. Frankenheimer directing will uh billy wisher and caleb yeah. carr writing it uh, uh, Stellan, uh okay stellan scars no, i was gonna say sorry i'm role-playing with you i'm the executive oh, yeah. who's debating on when i'm gonna start jerking myself into a frenzy over this ip stellan scars guard uh starring oh. as a young father oh. Marin. Woo! oh man okay fast forward give me a cucumber water stat that's fast what I'm yelling forward to my about a month into the fast forward about a month into uh, pre-production development, uh, John Frankenheimer has to step away for his health. He actually died like a month later. Did he really? I think so. Something like that. Fucking hell! Uh, he died really quickly after this was over. Um, the studio hired another director named Paul Schrader. Paul Schrader is most famous for being the guy who wrote Taxi Driver. Yeah, Not my dingling is my dingling settling now. Now, Paul Schrader has also directed movies. Some of them have been very interesting. Some of them have been really <laughs> fucking bad. I personally, like as a film goer, I personally have never liked watching Paul Schrader directed movies. I, I don't think he's a very good director. He's a fantastic I did it writer. Today. He's an absolutely fantastic writer. He's but he has one thing he does real fucking well, and that's what he does. Paul Schrader is not my choice for director for certainly an Exorcist movie. Again, I didn't work at Morgan Creek at the time. Um, so they got and shoot this movie. It's about $30 million. Uh, the studio starts seeing dailies and they're saying, the fuck is this movie? They finish. Now, shooting which one started first? The Rennie Harlan one or the Paul Schrader? Paul Schrader. Schrader so Paul, started it. Paul okay. Schrader goes out and shoots his movie. Comes back, he cuts the whole thing together. They hate it. They think it's fucking garbage. It's a psychological thriller. It's much more in line with what I think Paul Schrader does. Really just throwing terms around now. Yeah. It's a much... Yeah. Well, sorry. <laughs> we'll get to that. The genre that uh, Paul Schrader yeah. certainly was attempting for was some form of psychological thriller. We'll talk about whether or not he might have succeeded when we get to it. Um yeah, so, the genre is sad white people talk and don't listen. So the studio, <laughs> uh, the studio fires Paul Schrader straight up, fired him, mm -hmm. and brings in yeah one of the all time great action. <laughs> Sorry, I couldn't even get it through the sentence. Uh, director of Die Hard Two, uh, Deep Blue Sea, and one of my all time favorite racing movies, Driven. Uh, Rennie Harlan. Um, he also did Nightmare Four. He did Nightmare Four, and he also did the MTV um, Freddy. Yeah, he also did uh, uh, this mo that movie, um, the the Covenant, the Covenant, I believe it's called. Not great. Either way, uh, Rennie Harlan gets brought in initially under the impression he'll just be doing. You know, every time movies are made, they have budgets set aside for reshoots and things that are missed, shots that need clarification, that kind of thing. Rennie Harlan assumed he was going to be there for like a week. Rennie Harlan ends up shooting the entire movie over. An additional $20 million is uh, added to the budget. And Exorcist, the beginning, is the movie that gets released in theaters, which is Rennie Harlan's cut of the movie. Which is cut much to more... a young college-age Josh Griff sitting there slamming his sodi and popcorn. That's where I entered the story. And that's where Griffey enters the story. Griffey, your first thought watching Exorcist, the beginning. Again, this this was an era where we uh, a lot of horror movies were going crass, right? Like very much like new metal, where it's very crass and gross, and the aesthetics aren't great. Right. That's what horror movies were doing too. Right. And this is when we're getting into a lot of the torture porn stuff. We have the uh, the Asian remake flood coming in. Yep. 
So I was sitting in the theater. I was honestly just stoked to spend time in the Exorcist universe again. I have said on this pod that I think it's funny that Father Marin became this kind of folk hero of this series. Because mm-hmm. I always have thought he was a very boring character True. until seeing Exorcist the beginning. They really right. put a lot of meat on that bone. And so the I Max agree. von Sydow, like, you know, ramrod straight, I do no wrong and face down all evils. You really see why that is. And it gives you a whole new love and respect for that character. Right. So Sorry, actually watching it. Go ahead. Sorry, I actually misspoke. Paul Schrader, it was an $80 million budget. Paul Schrader's cost 30 and Rennie Harlan's cost 50 Sorry. Go. I was going to say, because Paul Schrader's looks shockingly shit compared. So I was actually stunned when you said that. But neither here nor there. So I was watching it. I was excited. I always love exorcism movies. Mm-hmm. I always love religious horror. So there was an element of this one in... Again, it's a little it's it's funny because the discri- the the divide you always hear people say, right, is that Paul Schrader's is a mental psychological art piece and that Rennie Harlan's is a big loud dumb movie. And I think the Exorcist beginning is not nearly as dumb as people make it out to be, nor is Paul Schrader's as interesting or introspective as people make it out to be. Yeah. If I'm being honest up front, I don't know if I'm in the minority. I think Dominion is almost unwatchable. It's that fucking bad across the board. And the greatest thing you have in both of these movies is Stellan Skarsgård. I would watch him do eight versions of this movie because I love him as Father Marin so much. Mm-hmm. And I think in Paul Schrader's where you think that would kind of sing a little more, he's often just dropped into soliloquies. He's a little more crusty old man, whereas yeah. he's a little more white knighting in Rennie Harlan's, right? Um, yeah. But I, I think that neither movie is exactly what people think they are. And I think if you're asking me, right, they're both pretty flawed films. At least Exorcist Beginning remembers why we're in the theater. And that's yeah. an exorcism movie. We want some scares. We want some horror moments. And yeah. there are things that are horrifying in Dominion. But, I mean, that movie is about as fucking boring an exorcist movie as I think you could come up with, if we're being I think honest. almost routinely the reason people don't like Exorcist the beginning has nothing to do with the fact that they've actually watched the movie. It has much more to do with the fact that if you compare the filmographies of Rennie Harlan and Paul Schrader, Paul Schrader's is much more attractive and much more... Uh, sure renowned so you automatically assume that dominion is going to be the better movie i actually and again a lot of the times we disagree on these kinds of things i actually fully agree with you i i think that i i remember i i waited because i remember seeing i remember reading about what happened and i was like i don't want to watch that fucking movie and i was in college and i was like i don't want to watch that fucking movie i'm waiting for fucking paul schrader's gonna get a cut i'm watching paul schrader because paul schrader's the man blah 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 first off Paul Schrader didn't write the fucking movie he's the only director yeah which again something people need to remember Paul Schrader is a phenomenal writer rarely (laughs) he's a very hit or miss director so I remember watching the first time I watched Dominion being like this is laborious was the word I used at the end I was like I watched that movie it's I'd rather be uncovering a fucking temple with a toothbrush yeah, it felt that, like it was eight hours long. That action of uncovering a temple with a toothbrush or a comb has more intrigue than almost the entirety of Dominion. Whereas well, here's, here's Dominion's biggest problem, right? Is they're like, here's something you're interested in, right? The uh, yeah, Dren from Splice <laughs> in a temple doing <laughs> demon shit, and then they're like, let's have Marin go back and talk to the nurse for five minutes. You're like. Stop releasing the tension. Make something mad. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. I interrupted. So you're a beget your thoughts on exorcist beginning. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 but I think the beginning, I think the exorcist, the beginning actually has, has a lot of merit to be honest with you. Like I, I know that it's like I not agree. the most like ingenious horror movie ever made, given that it's a sequel to the most genius horror movie ever made. However, to just dismiss it because it's directed by Rennie Harlan is just it's 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 a falsehood. And to be honest with you, it's not it 
it at no point makes me feel like I don't look at the clock every time, every five minutes I'm watching yeah. the exorcist beginning. Mm-hmm. Well, here's, so if we just kind of go scene, compared, just go step right? by step. Cause I actually so, watched them side by side. It feels like you think the Schrader movie is going to dominate the first scene, right? Cause the big add to the mythology in this movie is Father Marin's encounter with the Nazis, right? Yeah. So we see some we see the Cliff Notes version in Rennie Harlan, right? Mm-hmm. Uh point out ten people or I'll kill them all, right? Shoots shoots a little girl who kind of becomes a ghostly avatar for his regret for the rest of the film, right? right? Mm-hmm. Paul Schrader decides to open Dominion with a five to seven minute long Longer. scene, right? It's gotta be ten yeah, minutes like, long. Like a, a long opening, cold open, right? Mm-hmm. That really sets us in this moment, right? And it's a great scene, and it has some great additions, right? Whereas Dominion starts with Priest walking through Constantine mixed with a Creed music video, right? <laughs> Dead bodies everywhere, crosses upside down. Oh, like yeah. a big fucking dumb. There's like, like Ray Harlan's yourself. opener is like full-blown religious horror. Like you're just like, what are the 10 things you like about it's, religious horror movies? Yes. And they just listed it and put it on screen. If you're like, this is what I want to examine about Christianity, but through the point of view of corn with a K, <laughs> that's what Rennie Harlan's giving you. And you're like, yeah. right on. It's kind of fun. It's big imagery. Like, all right, right. dead priests everywhere I'm in. Now, the Schrader one starts, right? And this this is a big thing we have to kind of go with is the big – so we start off, right? And some of the additions in the Schrader scene that I liked – there's an amazing moment in the Schrader scene, right? Because the big one is the Nazi saying, God is not here today, right? That's like in both of them. He's killing people. I loved in that Schrader one where he actually goes, take those two guys. And you hear the crowd audibly gasp in horror yeah. at the weakness it's, of Father Marin. That is a beautiful. It's an incredible scene. It's an incredible edition. way to start the movie. Yeah. And it, it lets you know, too, it, it just deepens the wound, mm-hmm. right? Because the other one, this is the thing. Is, is I don't know that you need that entire scene because I get the same feeling in Rennie Harlan's, right? He's still pointing the finger. But in that one, there's this small moment where you're like, well, he is saving some, right? Right. That one, you hear the crowd turn on him like, oh, you sack of well, it's shit. Like, well, it's like what we talked about yesterday with Exorcist 3, which is like, because my posit's always been that The Exorcist is not about like heaven and hell it's about man versus a lot of inner evil or evil around him on a, on a regular basis it's about the absence of god and so what's interesting about rennie harlan's version is rennie harlan sets it's rennie harlan sets up pazuzu and paul schrader sets up father Marin. i think that's like the like the key ch- difference between both movies like that's the key that unlocks the whole thing is that rennie harlan's movie is about the exorcist like those movies Paul Schrader's movie is about father Marin, like coming to grips with the fact that he is not necessarily the lost, you know, the lost man he thought he was, so to speak. It's a really, it's a very strange thing. He's almost making like a fan film of a David Lean movie. You know what I mean? Like, he's trying to do, like, Lawrence of Arabia or Bridge Over a River Kwai. He has no interest in doing an exorcist movie. No. And actually, the part where we get to the the demon child, Mm -hmm. it's so forced in in Schrader's version. Mm -hmm. And it feels like you're really pulling away from the Marin stuff, which is all he's really cultivating. Right. It's such a strange movie for him to even want to make, right? But... (laughs) So I think he handles the the Nazi element and the grief of that better than Rennie Harlan at the start. I think you can make the case that by the end, Paul Schrader is so tugging on that string where he just characters just start like there's a scene when they just go into the church and the nurse is like, this scene will make you. But what will it makes you? And it's like no one talks in soliloquies. Like, if you do want to just talk about how sad bastards you are, just find a different avenue. But by the end, so in the other version, right, the two nurses are different actresses, right? 
in the one version, we see the, the concentration camp tattoo, but we don't really go further, right? It's kind of like how we see it in Harold and Maude. We see it. That tells us a lot. We don't really acknowledge it, right? Mm -hmm. We move on. Paul Schrader takes a moment to have the demon say, oh, well, you know, she's actually a bad person because she was trading people in and selling her body in the concentration camp. And I was, are we actually victimizing the victim in this moment, Paul Schrader? That's a strange yeah. one. You know, there's there's kind of a, it just like, it's so over talked out and so overly mm -hmm. buries the grief, right? That at a point you're just, you're over it, right? You understand. And this is kind of the, the problem at the core of both of these films, right? Is that the, the Nazi infusion, while a really devastating scene, right? I actually just took this master course, or the great courses, right? They're on Audible now. Yeah. And there's one just called uh, Why Does Evil Exist? And it's fucking fascinating. It's so worth the credit. And they have a whole lecture on what World War II and finding out about the Nazis and concentration camps did to the spirit of our world. But more specifically, the Jewish population where an enormous amount of Jewish people could no longer reconcile their faith, right? And actually, I don't think they call it the Holocaust because that has a different connotation. They call it the cataclysm, right? This was right. a devastating impact, right? And I think for all of us, it's one of those moments as an entire world where we're like, holy shit, we took the Industrial Revolution and just made machines to mass, pro like mass process humans and kill right humans for no fucking reason uh other than hate and i think it broke a lot of people's hearts and souls and so this movie never quite gets to the point either of them right where when you put something so horrifying like that at the start of the movie right in such a large scale event of evil i don't feel that father Marin's return to the cloth is ever earned in either film does that make any sense that the Nazi evil in that scene is so deep and so rooted, right? You go back to Exodus 1. It's literally just a priest who's like, man, this is really hard with my mom. Like, I've been doing this a long time. I've kind of lost my faith, right? And then in Exodus 3, he's like, yeah, I'm a cop. I see one-off people doing bad, really bad things. But, you know, it's it's one person at a time. Right. They never quite get to the point where they they earn the fact of, these massive large scale societal evils and how one man is like, yeah, I'll keep going. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it, it, it feels like the biggest problem at the core of both of these films Yeah, is that at the end for father Marin and again, in Paul Schrader's we'll get to the endings. It almost feels very false that he comes back. Whereas in well, Rennie Harlan's he's all the way like I'm back. It never feels earned in either of them to me. What did you make of that? Well, I think that's, the trouble with making a prequel like this, like it's not a, like this is the part where I think Schrader actually understood a little better than Rennie Harlan. Cause like, yeah, like Rennie Harlan's is this white knight and he comes back. He's like, I'm back. I'm ready to be a man of God. It rings false for when the original exorcist starts because the original exorcist is, he's still an archeologist. He's not necessarily a religious man. And like, what Rennie mm, Harlan's movie point. does really well is there's a lot of these great, like there's a lot of great iconography from the original one that pops up, like the clock stopping and obviously the Pazuzu stuff, the snake dick statue, the snake. Dick Why statue. did Paul Schrader make a shittier snake dick statue? They didn't know. have that lying around a prop there's, building. That's that gotta be just me. hanging out somewhere. Right. Yeah. So that really pissed me off. I think that's like Rennie Harlan's doesn't understand what it's leading up to because it's a movie that was made in 2000. <laughs> I wrote this down. One movie feels like it understands the year it's being made, but misunderstands the movie that it's prequelizing. The other one is prequelizing the movie, but doesn't understand what year it's being made in. So like mm -hmm. for me, Rennie Harlan's misses the point of father Marin, like not be like for us to meet father Marin at the end of this movie and be like, I'm a man of the cloth. And then for us to meet him in the exorcist and be like, I do not like going to church anymore. Like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. It's really hard to, that's a hard pill to swallow for the ending of the movie. Schrader's lacks the Schrader's has this still sort of existential dread, but both of them seem to kind of misunderstand the point of the experience that Marin goes through. Like, mm -hmm. 
I think that's why like the Holocaust stuff, the, the, like everything to do with the village and the selection, that kind of thing. Like all of that makes sense because it gives Marin this like guilt and that's what like that ends up being what is well you realize when the exorcist starts that's what causes his crisis of faith more than anything it's not confronting evil it's literally what he's now done since like the 40s what's like really plaguing him is the fact that he fucking did this thing to these people like he yeah made they, a, he, is he made a, a terrible choice shit. yeah and again it's it, it's a choice he couldn't have won because if he had said no and spared himself and they all got wasted, all he would wear the weight of that, too. Yeah. Lancaster Marin is actually, like, a horrible character. Like, it's a very strange I, thing. You like. I don't think he's a horrible I mean, that's an unwinnable. That's the the train analogy, right? No, no, no. Right? I'm, I'm not saying Pull that Pull the track where it kills a girl or kills ten other people, Sure. Right? I'm like, not saying that he's not, like... I'm. I, what I'm saying is, like, the... It's like we talked about at the very beginning of this with the original X. It's like... Mm-hmm. The heroism of Father Marin is so like unfounded and unwarranted at the very beginning. Like we're, we we don't care really. Like mm-hmm. our stories with Father Karras. So now we're trying to relate and bring home this story about Father Marin and why we should care that he goes to Reagan's house that fateful night. And for mm-hmm. me, this doesn't do it at all. It just all it does is justify that like. This guy just wants to stay in the desert and dig up, you know, stuff. That's fine. Stay in the well, desert. I'm I'm guessing that what both of the movies are hinging on, right, is that, and actually it's fucked up, I think Rennie Harlan on a weird level philosophically understands this struggle more, <laughs> which is... I can't believe it, both of them, this. Both of I them know. play with... I, I mean, bear with me, but I'll try to make the point, right? Both of the movies hinge on at the end, right? That these two societies are going to destroy each other, right? That this tribe uh, thinks that these Christian invaders have unleashed an evil. And uh, the British people think that these are, you know, heathens that are coming to murder them, right? They're not Christian. They're others, right? And they play with that. Rennie Harlan's plays with this sense of evil that anyone who's in this area, right, their inner evil is just unlocked, right? That we just become these kind of agents of evil, right? Whereas Paul Schrader's yeah. plays this, it's history repeating its exact scene again, right? Where we even have the British guy just comes in and lays waste to the uh, the chief, just shoots him in the head, right? And that starts all this, right? So I think one of the weird things in the movie, now that I'm making this point, is that I think Paul Schrader sets up all of the issues better. He just doesn't finish them right at all, right? Like here's a yeah. here's an example. This is really long way. I'm sorry. I'm trying to like suss these two movies out. So in Rennie Harlan's, the tribesmen are actually treated as others, scary yes. others, laborers, whatever. They we look at them as savages, as the British officers say, right? We're looking at them from that very white British POV. Paul Schrader's, they actually stop and talk about the bull like, they're not savages, that's just their religion, man. Maybe bring it back a notch. They actually have a, a little city, right, where it looks like life is good. Uh, you know, we actually see them as actual humans, right, playing music. We see kids running and having fun. We see an actual life outside of laboring under the British boot. Right. What I would say, though, is at the end, he kind of takes a hard stand that the tribesmen are wrong. Uh, because the Christian invaders did unleash an evil, which kind of undercuts his point, right? Because that means that there is a God, and if they don't worship that God, they are doing the wrong thing, so that when they kill the noble priest who's trying to save everyone or shoot him full of arrows and tie him to a tree, that then they're going to get their comeuppance from the British people. You know what I mean? Like, So Schrader sets things up a little better, and then just like villainizing the concentration camp victim, he kind of overdoes it Yeah, to where it becomes wrong again. He circles back to wrong. Whereas Rennie Harlan's just, I will make these non-human characters, which is not a great look. Yeah. But at the end, we all have the same human flaw in our hearts, right? Mm-hmm. And there is this hopelessness that whenever given the chance, we will choose to make the worst choices right that that evil 
actually pours from within us. Right. If that makes any sense. I know that was a lot. I mean, no, it's exactly what we've been saying since yesterday on Exorcist 3, though. Like, I mean, to me, that is the point of the Exorcist. So, like, but in that regard, Rennie Harlan understands that. I mean, I'm assuming that's what you're saying. Like, Rennie Harlan seems to understand that a little better than Paul Schrader. I, Paul Schrader, for me, Paul Schrader's story, the way it's constructed, and again, he didn't write this. This is the hardest thing is, like, when Paul Schrader doesn't write his own scripts, he's not very good at he's not very good at directing them. But Paul Schrader so quickly this beautiful opening, like this incredible opening to a movie. Yeah, you so, really think you're on a journey of like, wow, this is gonna be This is a journey where we're like, this is about self-discovery, a man who has lost his faith, re not reconnecting with his faith, but re-understanding his place in the world with his faith, that kind of thing. And it so quickly doesn't get to that. And it's really, it's unnerving in a lot of ways. I think that's the thing that I like Rennie Harlan's the it's pacing. Like that really kind of is like the, the, that's really one of the defining factors between these two movies is pacing. It's not even scares either, but like Rennie Harlan seems to have a better understanding of pacing this movie out so that there's, Character development, at least a little bit. Not really, but like yeah. there's enough where you're like, I get who these people are. A girl shows up, you're like, cool, great. Like this woman's gonna probably get possessed later on in the movie or whatever, which she does. Like, there's all these pieces that get telegraphed really quickly. Paul Schrader is trying to like ease us into this story of like psychological suffering in a lot of ways. And honestly, yeah. it takes so long to get into it that you forget you're watching an exorcist movie. And I think that's the thing that bug bugs me the most is that I am not spending enough time focused on the fact that I'm watching an exorcist prequel and I'm just watching a Paul Schrader talk about an yeah, a lot. Of and movies. let's, let's be honest. Both of these movies have just trash editing and pacing. Yeah. Like, sorry, just not bad. to say, I'm not like, saying that, you the, know, yes, yeah, to your, it's point, not a Sally Menke or anything. If you're going to have bad editing and pacing, air quick. Right? Air on moving the fucking ball down the field. And that is what right? Rennie Harlan There's does. There's nothing worse than an unbearably long-paced, like, long-winded, horrible, where right. every scene feels like a 15-minute slog. And this I mean, is the thing, too. What kills me is that Paul Schrader sets up this, I'm going to be the character movie. Yeah. Outside of the opening scene i don't think you get jack shit not a lot you extra from marin out of that one they both have uh, almost equal amounts of father marin discovery for the rest of the film after i watched the one after i watched both of them separately i watched just the one scene that i knew that I, the one scene that i knew was in both movies side by side which is the opener which is basically like the stating of the case where he shows up to the major's house and it's also where you have two the two different Father Francis's. One's Father Summer Catch and the other one's Father Jarvis. So now that is where Paul Schrader's movie soars above Rennie Harlan's is Father Francis. Yeah. I mean That's where the extra character work actually Gabriel mattered. Mann is a even though he is a in Summer Catch, Gabriel Mann is actually a really great actor. And like he's really He good took some movie. classes after Summer Catch. <laughs> he was ready. He's really, He's really fucking good in this movie. He's really fat. He's really wonderful. I don't know. I'm saying Brian D'Arcy is also really good. But like, here's the thing, though: is he more interesting than Father Marin? <laughs> yes. 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 He has almost all of the best moments in the film are Father Francis. The yeah. first one, he's literally just a conniving little bitch who's there to cheat. That's one thing we'll get to: is Rennie Harlan's several horror movie cheats, uh, which I can't fucking stand. But, but that's those two scenes, because, yeah, like Paul Schrader sets up things really, but also, again, sets up things really slowly and keeps everything very focused on just these people. Like almost immediately, like Rennie Harlan's takes about five minutes to set up what he's doing there. And then immediately cuts to that, like a uh, British guy who's drinking and then says the dick joke. Like that's like, like that's the movie that Rennie Harlan's making as mm -hmm. opposed to what Paul Schrader's trying to do. That was like my biggest thing. I was like, got it. Yeah. Got it. Uh, 
But this is what I mean, though. The scenes of Father Francis, right? Like, we got to call the military in. Yeah. And then that leads to the execution, right? And this murder, that's one of the weird things in Schrader's where, wait, the two guys killed themselves and hung themselves upside down and put their head on an all. Whatever. Okay. Sure, uh, whatever. Someone is lying. I don't know who. And then the execution happens, right? It reminded me of the movie First Reformed. Like, I think that's the movie Paul Schrader. Another Paul Schrader. That. Yeah, that's the movie he wanted to make when he made Dominion, right? I think that was his, like, I learned my lessons. I'm just taking out the demon shit. Right. <laughs> the exorcist stank, and I'm going to make a movie about a priest. Um, But Father Francis, right? And then when the, the tribesmen bust in, and he's like, I got to stop the Christian spread. And he murders the kids, right? Or the kids even coming into the class, and they're like, oh, they're only here because they think Jesus will kill you if you don't show up. I was like, this is great, powerful stuff. Again, it's you find those little tiny islands in this wash of just soliloquy and never-ending scenes. Um, but that shit was great, right? Watching this man and then watching him, because I think both movies lever on the idea that these priests want to save one soul, right? If they can save Joshua or Cheche, right? Yes. If they can save one of these two, it'll all be worth it. Mm-hmm. Which I would argue is fucking stupid and is bad math. I know it's the ethic debate, but I'm like, I think it's bad math in my mind. But I think that's what they're trying to do. Schrader's, I think, gets there in a better way, just not for Marin. Yeah. For Father Francis, it's a really good journey. For Father Marin, it's just like a guess I got to do this shit now, right? <laughs> like he literally brings his own shit into the temple. Mm-hmm. Whereas the priest is like, I'm here to save, you know, Cheche. He's bringing his own shit, but it's done in a more, you know, subtextual, artistic way. Right. So I think that's maybe one of those things where Rennie Harlan sends him in because he's like, my tits. <laughs> that's why Father Marin goes into that temple. <laughs> it's tough. I mean, neither is great. Neither is great. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm being confused and drowned. I think maybe doing these two together was just we're swimming in the deep end without our floaties. I mean, it's definitely not our usual pod, but doing it was funny because right before the show we were talking about this like should we just break them out and do either one and we're like no. How bad? Like I don't want to do like it's easier to do a compare and contrast because these movies are so different. And yet also run the same track of being kind of similar and not, not their approach, but just like what they're trying to say about father Marin is so, I don't know. To me, it's very wrong. It's the wrong vibe that I'm supposed like, like you were saying, like father Francis is the story for traders. Like I should be, I should be following father better. Francis. It's a much more interesting story. It's a much more interesting concept. I should be following. Well, Cause Fran- again, we're, we're, Father Francis, the opening scene, what is great about that scene is watching a priest and his his rock hard faith being tested. That's what Father Francis is doing the whole movie. Right. Right. For a man for a man to be shattered and just stay shattered is kind of. Yeah. I mean, now he's like a grumpy like digger. Yeah. He's like, uh, you know, Dr. Grant from, you know, I'm just I just dig the ground. I'm just a grumpy guy. Um. Scene so by let's, scene. Let's go here. Here's a great example of where I think the two movies uh, where you can see the difference and why I would argue Exorcist beginning is just better than Dominion. Right. So how about the birth of the the chief's son? Right. Both have the maggot baby, which is hardcore. Yeah. So Paul Schrader's has this super obnoxious like 70s daytime TV score underneath. And it decides it's going to cut between, like, four scenes, right? Cheche in bed. Mm-hmm. That Marin digging up empty graves, I think. No, no, not empty graves. That's in the other one. I don't even know what, but it's, like, cutting between, like, three or four things with this Mary Tyler Moore music. And you're like, what is fucking happening? So you- the scene when the, the dead baby covered in maggots is pulled out hits, like, a fucking dropping a wet washcloth on the floor, right? Whereas Rennie Harlan, for his many, many deficiencies, right, 
in this film. He mixes the the vibe of summoning this kid into the world, birthing him, covered in maggots. No, with the tribesmen, right? This is one of the great scenes in Rennie Harlan's. When Josh wakes up and his own father's staring at him. Mm -hmm. And Josh smiles large, right? A sad kid who sees his dad. And he goes, I'm sorry. Pulls back the curtain and these fucking shamans, soldiers, you know, whatever their role is. They start chanting. They're going to exercise and kill Joshua. The nurse runs in, right? Knife to the throat. Ah, fucking fingers start snapping, bones snapping, the whole thing shaking. The vibes match, right? Whereas instead it's like, ah, maggot baby and Father Marin doing homework, filling out his taxes, whatever the fuck he's doing. And you're like, <laughs> so these are two scenes that both matter, right? This is the moment when the tribe is now, they're going to fight for what they think is their survival. Right. And Paul Schrader's is just fucking boring and useless and slow and Rennie Harlan's while very in your face and not adding anything deep understands what that scene should do to us right that this is a moment of repulsion and horror it's again it's pacing like it's pacing and understanding what needs to happen in the scene to convey the terror or the dread that yeah would require like I think that's always the thing too is like there's no dread through this movie either of these movies. Like I don't dread anything other than like when I see gross things I'm like, "Well, that was that was nasty." The but scariest like, thing in either movie was when they were just going to break Cheche's leg again. And I was like, "Ew." Yeah, not okay. <laughs> Never okay. Not okay. Not okay. But it's funny too because other more reading I did was Paul Schrader didn't have the money to finish a score. So he has like these, he has three different people. He's literally like constructing the music for his movie, like between a yeah. metal band called dog fashion disco, uh, Angelo Battlemente, And then, um, uh, Trevor Rabin, who is like the guy who I think scored both of them. So Paul Schrader is trying to like construct a score that doesn't exist. And I think, Again, all of this stems to the fact that like Morgan Creek did not like his version of the movie. And then when they gave him the chance to go back and make it, he made it exactly as he wanted, but with no money. And I think that like no. what you see is a movie that's Dude. what you see is a movie that's like what you see is a movie that's half done. You see a movie that's half done because Oh my all god. Of, the first time you see the hyenas show up, I was like, how is the CG worse? In Paul Schrader's. The it's, CG is so fucking bad for the most part in Rennie Harlan's. Oh, it's terrible. But it's not It's not even a tenth as bad <laughs> as Paul. Like, when those hyenas showed up, I was like, at oh, least my in God. Rennie Har at least in oh, Rennie, Rennie Harlan's, it appears, it appears their hair is real. Well, like, also, then they get wise, and they're like, wait, keep them in shadows with just, like, light eyes. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, the so first time you're trying... Yeah, it was almost like like those Kingdom Hearts kids. Like I was just like, this is bad. <laughs> it's like super Dude, blocky. But I couldn't believe. I was like, the CG's worse. Like at the end when Cheche's just going full dull seam from Street Fighter, and he just like unleashes bugs on <laughs> Father Marin. I was yes. like, God, if this couldn't be the most boring, shittiest fight between good and evil ever, that just killed me. Anyway, here's another scene, right? So old butterfly boy. Can't take it anymore, right? He's done. So in Rennie Harlan's, he goes into the House of Wings, right? Madam Butterfly's Bazaar and uh, the... They're flapping, right? He cuts open a crow, mm -hmm. kills himself. I don't know why he kills himself. I don't know that butterflies flapping poorly is cool or cutting a crow is cool. I know it's something. I know that in Paul Schrader's, he just goes, Tell Father Marin... I finally understand I'm, him. I'm, yep. And shoots himself. And I was, yeah, Rennie Harlan. He says is he's better. like, does he say he's like free or something like that? Yeah. Now this is the only freedom. And I was like, oh, cool. More existential nihilism. Like, I mean, I know existentialism and nihilism are very different philosophies, but it's just boring. Like Paul it Schrader is. constantly defaults to boring. And this is the thing. So when you're showing something with as much heft as a man taking his life right especially this strong soldier type guy right who you think you know 
would be immune to the the traumas of war and violence, right? This is a big moment for a character. This should have impact. Mm -hmm. And I think you would say that Rennie Harlan takes nothing seriously, and so it kind of undercuts the stakes of everything. Sure. Sure. The way Paul Schrader does it is not more interesting. It's more talky. (laughs) But I don't get anything else out of it. He's not reaching further into my soul. It's just boring. It's just fucking boring. Yeah. I mean, I think that Paul Schrader airs on the side of it's not even caution. It's just Paul Schrader airs on the side of how do I talk through this scene without like, how do I get through this scene without having to show anything like super like weird or Paul Schrader wants to strip the supernatural out of the exorcist completely strip it out like completely get which rid is of an so interesting take in a way not as he I did guess. it but. yeah I mean it's just well it, this gets back to the Paul Schrader's playing again with the idea of what if this is in everyone's head right and what if this is just all man-made issues right mm-hmm. and is this why uh you know father summer catch all of a sudden thinks this boy has the devil or he's the what he's the only pure soul he's healing like an angel right what if all this stuff is just things they're inventing right and that could have been an interesting movie i would argue when you sign on to do the fucking exorcist it's important like even the fucking prog rock disaster that is the heretic at least has like they're doing kind of possession but on like possessing the earth Right. right. The high mind of the earth. So it's still there, kind of, right? It's a little more omeny, but it's there. Sure. Paul Schrader's it's just fucking devoid. Well, Paul Schrader's is again like it takes the um it's was like what I was saying yesterday, how about man's pursuit of God, man's pursuit of like getting rid of its getting rid of their own inner evil. It takes that idea and flattens it out to like the most like boring uninteresting way to present it within the world of the exorcist. Cause like you think back to like the first one, like William Friedkin's original conceit. And the reason he got hired is cause he was, he was a documentary filmmaker. So like they knew he could shoot this, like it was real. Like it would feel mm-hmm. that ve- it would feel so real. It feel very, it wouldn't feel, it would feel contemporary. Like something happened. This happened. It yeah. feels the visceral nature of the movie comes through. It oozes through the screen. Like, Pea soup vomit, man. We're constantly dealing with it. Yeah. Paul Schrader spends so much time trying to convince us that this is a good movie. Yeah. That he completely flattens out any of the intrigue and any of the any of the interest that we have in the concept of the exorcist, quote unquote. That yeah. we're just sort of left at this point where we're like, I don't care what happens. I at, I'll say this. At the end of both of them, they both do this. But at the end of the movies, I was literally like, I do not care what happens to Father Marin at all. Like, no, well, actually, also, actually, you know if he he's going to make it. So you're like, whatever. Right. Well, I mean, besides that, if they just like one killed of the... him and destroyed the line. <laughs> I mean, this is yeah. an alternate universe. So what if Father Marin just got if they had killed got... him and they had like <laughs> Rise of Skywalkered him and like uh, Father Father Francis been like, what's your name? He'd be like, Marin. Lancaster Marin. If I, if they had done that, I'd be like, that's fucking hilarious. But yeah, again, I would have taken that fucking movie. It's well, there's, I don't know. It's a very yeah. the the well, comparison no, it, is very weird. Paul Schrader's Paul Schrader's movie is like listening to a TED talk <laughs> in the timber of Bill Belichick's press conferences about sadness, <laughs> right? I wouldn't sign up to watch that. You wouldn't either. No. It, he he just fails at the very because again, I think the most important thing for every movie to remember, and I know it's it's art, guys. It's art. We got to be artists. Don't be boring. Yeah. And if there is a movie that is more fucking boring than Dominion. That again has the advantage of having a literal possessed devil person. Exorcist. Yes. So there are probably movies that are infinitely more boring, but they don't have awesome demon people in them, right? Those are usually like period pieces like, oh, my corsets and my pop tarts are so great. Ooh. 
right? Like, no one wants to see that shit either. But if that movie had a demon in it, it would be better. Paul Schrader's like, you remember how I told you The Breakfast Club's the only movie where people smoke pot and it stops being funny? Yeah. It gets less funny. Paul Schrader might have made the only movie where you add a demon and it gets less interesting and scary. And that's quite a fucking feat. So here's another change, right? That maybe we can glean something out of. Uh, the nurses. Rennie Harlan just decided we need a sexual fetish uh, busty nurse yep. for so we can see a lot of this like possessed titties. The golden eye girl, yeah. Yeah, and that, hey, good on you. Uh, weirdly, there, there was a scene that kind of fucked with me a little bit where I was like, when she's like grinding on him and he's like, ah, oh, the power. And she's like, ah, oh, ah, oh, ah. Oh. You remember that scene? They go down in the cavern and she's like fucking grinding right on him. Yeah. And I was like, I don't know that I'm that strong. I think I'd be like, all right. Well, all right. This, it mean, was a little, it was, it was, it was hoped. It was a they, turn on. They tried, they tried real hard to like make Rennie Harlan's version tries hard to make Baron into kind of like a rock star. Like when he walks into that, yeah. the, like that bar scene, he walks in and he goes, they just added uglier white guy to be like, oh, he's so hot. Do you drink? So beautiful. I shouldn't, but my wheel is weak. I'm like, all right, dude, we get it. You're yeah. fucking cool. Like, I, yeah, you're out here slinging. Yeah, you're not only digging up churches, but also maidens. We get it. Just- they literally add that scarred face guy to just be the Gimli because Gimli it. exists in Lord of the Rings almost to just bitch about how much better Legolas is. Yes, and that's essentially the vibe in this film. But no, I mean, I told you this off air. I don't know if we said this on the pod, but I was like, I actually felt really bad for Linda Blair. In my mind, I don't know anything about her in real life, but I was like, can you imagine how many men probably were seeking after her specifically because they were weirdly in in a taboo fashion turned on by fetishized possessed? Yeah. Like, right. Like, did anyone ever just like snuggle her or were they like, yeah, levitate? Yeah. Throw up on me. And it kind of makes you bummed out. But then again, you're like. Also, that's probably like a fantasy that this existed in my mind. But yeah, I thought that was fucking funny. Uh, Jesus Christ. But the nurse, the change of the nurse, right? Like she's got to walk around in a towel and have some side boob. Yeah. It seems on its surface to be dumb, right? And just like uh, we know who our audience is, we're going to go for it. I would argue that Paul Schrader wasn't much better to his nurse when he victimized her. And then at the end, he just shows her walking around crazen or craven with a knife, right? Like just a crazy person looking I mean, to do ag- no good. Again, both these movies came out during a time where I'm fairly certain women are criminally. I mean, women have been criminally underwritten the entire span of film. But I don't know. The span of like 2000 to 2006 was like. I don't know. They're women, so just uh, uh, yeah. shopping. I don't know. Like it's like, more on Front Street and Rennie Harlan's, but I think <laughs> you could argue that both of them are not great. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's talk about another change. Joshua versus Chiche. Yes. Um. Again, Paul Schrader just adding a obviously different looking and scary stranger to be the vessel of evil. Mm-hmm. And his movie feels pretty fucking stupid. Yeah. Doesn't right. Do it. Didn't it. I'll tell you what. Wildly less. It was truly less effective than Joshua. It felt weird that he had to be the guy who was an unfortunate. They called him right. Who looked mm-hmm. like that. Who already had like the sharpened teeth. Yeah. Uh, who had the stick. It felt. Again, I think that's the weird thing is everything involving the demon and the exorcist exorcism possession whatever and paul schrader's literally is foisted upon us (laughs) when that guy shows up with his walking stick it's one of those moments you're like that doesn't belong in this movie yeah but we're gonna do it anyways and i think that's the joshua feels more rooted in the story Mm -hmm. um this gets back to rennie harlan has like three enormous cheats in this movie right like one when uh she's having her you know father Marin possibly wet dream uh and she's like oh that's not my wetness that's that guy's face oozing wetness ah right and wh- how long was he sitting in bed with her to complain about a necklace he gave her that's a cheat that's a stupid horror movie scene right 
Uh, there's the scene when Joshua watches his brother get murdered by hyenas and first hyenas, time I've ever seen a kid get murdered by hyenas in a movie. I'll like for that. a long time. Like a, it no takes one, a while. Also, I'm like his dad not running up and being like, fuck it. I'm fist fighting hyenas. I don't know that I'm the bravest man in the world, but I feel like I'm like one of you's getting your neck snapped. Like yeah. I'm going, that to was also to a total you. pull from the omen, like total yeah. omen rip. But anywho, right? Like, that's a classic horror movie cheat. Mm-hmm. So why do the hyenas attack him the moment he steals Joshua's toy and they don't attack Joshua? And Joshua watches without an emotional response to his brother being murdered <laughs> because he's clearly the vessel of evil. Gotcha. That's You'll hear me bitch about this a lot on this podcast. I hate horror movies that cheat because they know they haven't done the work. That's an absolute straight-up cheat. Like the Catholic priest having a wife. And them hiding the fact that he had a wife who Father Marin has been making out with and trying to diddle the entire film. These are cheats. That real bad. That's not good. Neither here nor there. I think the nurse and the Joshua thing, though, is really interesting, though. And then I guess you could say the final big difference we got to talk about are these these epic finales. Or at least epic finale and then whatever kind of light filter on after effects real sex aesthetic that paul schrader went with it is ending it looked like the porn knockoff of black panther um i don't know what he was going for the idea of ghosts slowly fading in and out (laughs) like it's are you afraid of the dark and then just sitting in yoga poses or sexy boy pose like all it is is all it is to me i again it's just this is this is gonna sound bad, but I to me like it's just somebody who's like, well, I'm making art. Like I, honestly, like every time I was thinking about the comparison between these two while I was watching them, while I was watching either of them, I was just like, one is pretending, one is masquerading as like art, yeah, or like pretending that this is somehow deeper than they really are, and the other one is like, I just got to get to the end. But that's what I'm saying, right? One is trying to pretend it's making a real movie, mm-hmm. a spiritual sequel to The Exorcist that's worthy of The Exorcist. Yeah. Meanwhile, it sucks every ball <laughs> within the entire continental uh, middle of the earth, right? Every ball was sucked by this movie. And it's boring to boot, right? A movie that sucks that much balls and is boring is pretty stunning. Rennie Harlan's like, I know what you want. Eat your popcorn sit down i know what you want and were we at the end like yeah you know i could have used like you know some story and he's like nah yeah we're good and you're like yeah you know it's like eating a gas station hot dog you're yeah. like yeah it's not like, nutritious but yeah. like yeah i feel uh, like i did something it's like like rennie harlan's movie is like eating a 7-eleven hot dog after you've been at the bar you're like i had to get something in my system like right. well, I was just, think about this right so the nurse is the possessed nurse right Mm-hmm. She swings down on the cross, which is awesome. Her, Love her that. back breaks when he puts the thing on her and she flies across the room and is spidering on the wall. Super cool. There's some good shit in there. Like there's some actual fun to watch demon versus priest moments. Now, is it brilliant that at the end she's running in like an army of darkness style comedy bit I, what being punched by that? his words? Is that maybe the dumbest visual of all time maybe yes no um, I, it's not a I'll maybe tell you it this. is okay so everyone who's gonna shit on that scene i'll give you that is that wonderful no it's pretty hard to watch it looks like shit i don't know why she's just running like ace ventura when his arms are fucking you know he can't fill his arms <sighs> so weird right it's so bad in so many ways and she dies at the end just to add extra misery right <laughs> insult to injury take literally. all that aside Watch the final showdown between Father Marin and Dren, where they're just kind of slowly walking and crawling and sweating and saying things with no conviction. And tell me that Rennie Harlan's isn't more entertaining. Like, tell me that it doesn't work better. Now, I know what everyone's going to say. What about when uh, Dren says, hey, you can relive your Nazi moment? Oh, God. See, this is you're telling me that's the fucking choice. So Father Marin's had his whole life to regret that moment. Right. Ever since he did that. 
And he's like, if only I would have James Bonded the gun out of him and just laid waste. And then everyone dies anyways, and so does he, so he has no guilt. Yeah. I was like, no. cool idea. So, Trapping him in his own personal hell, done very, very poorly. Very poorly. Very poorly. Like, it's just, again, it's it goes back to the difference. One is saying, I'm making art, which is just like the douchiest way to make an exorcist movie. And the other one is, let's get to the end of this movie and you know, you'll know you have an exorcist movie. I don't know what you're complaining about. Like, yeah. that's- the fact that you think that the Dominion, you're like, I'll give him something. I got enough yeah. to say. Like, that's wild. Rennie it- Harlins is full of warts and cheating and new metal aesthetics, and it treats the, the tribesmen like shit. It treats the lady like she's, you know, just like a Playboy centerfold. That's it's, it. It's not good. I'm not no. trying to say it's like a groundbreaking film, but did I have fun? Yeah, I had neither fun with them, that one. Neither of them are particularly good. I think the difference is, and this is always going to be the issue with Exor- the Exorcist movies. Not exorcism movies, but the Exorcist. Movies of this ilk in this universe, which is why 2023 is an auspicious year, is... The Exorcist functions on its own always. Prequel, prequelizing it, sequelizing it, it, it works on those movies can work on their own. We saw that yesterday with um, Exorcist Three. What you can't do is make me care after a movie like The Exorcist. Make me care about a man who we saw for roughly twenty minutes of it by just saying, "Oh, he's been through some shit, and he went through some other shit, and now he's still an archaeologist." Like. There's mm-hmm. there's a point driven home for these movies that makes no sense when you think when you realize that this movie technically comes before the original Exorcist. Well, also it's there's so much evil that it's hard to accept that Father Marin comes back even to save one soul. Yeah. Right? And that he sees all of this cuz one of the things that both movies do, right? The Nazi edition is great. It adds a problem, though, right? They don't address the cataclysm of the Nazis other than, yeah, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, you're out. How do you come back? Neither of them makes a good case for him coming back other than, oh, I'm going to die. <laughs> Which might actually be really honest and just not fulfilling. Right. So, you know, the idea of humans constantly repeating the past, I loved, right? The idea mm-hmm. that Father Marin was, you know after the war was cast out of heaven like Lucifer. That's really good symbolism, right? Agreed. There, yeah. there are some really fun elements. And again, getting back to the heretic, this clash of Christian values versus, you know, other religious values and how those, you know, butt up against each other. And again, Stellan Skarsgård is fucking awesome in both movies, yes. right? That are giving He's him great. no backup and support. He's killing it. He's crushing. So, there's a lot to like about both but again paul schrader's is just fucking boring and it's not nearly as deep as it thinks it is and rennie harlan's is exactly as dumb as he thought it was and because of that i think there's just enough breadcrumbs i think they're almost equally as introspective which is a strange thing to say strange thing to say but it's true father francis is really the big differential between the two agreed but Paul Schrader's equally shitty to his characters and all the people by the end of the film. Um, I think now that we're wrapping up The Exorcist, I think one of the things with The Exorcist, and I think why The Exorcist 3 was so good, and why I give The Heretic a little bit of a pass, right? I think it's the most reactionary franchise, right? Because I think Exorcist 2, they're like, we can't do that again. Let's try to expand on the mythology, right? Go big idea. And hey, man, I give them credit. Did they fucking blow it? Yes. Are any of those ideas worth it? No. But they said, we can't do the exorcist better than the exorcist. Let's fucking go for something else. I applaud that. I think every movie since then has been trying to course correct and apologize to fans that don't need apologies for this, right? Exorcist 3, I think, is the greatest and best sequel to the exorcist because it understands what made the exorcist great. And the actors are great. And the scares are great. But it didn't do well. So by the time we get around to Paul Schrader's, they're like, oh, fuck, we're doing like a, 
another one that they're not going to like. So they went the other direction and just went real dumb with Rennie Harlan, right? Right. And they just made like a popcorn movie, which they hadn't done yet. And they're like, oh, that wasn't well-received. Let's try to do the art house bullshit movie. And then that wasn't well-received. And I feel like the problem is, is that instead of just being true to what makes The Exorcist great and realizing that The Exorcist probably had one of the five to ten most impactful movie releases of all time, that just it just blew a hole in society for a while. And you're not going to do that again. Focus on what makes it good. Make it your own. Don't try to compete with The Exorcist. If this movie in 2023 is trying to remake the original Exorcist, it's going to fail in an epic and crushing disaster. If they say, we will take elements and characters, but we're going to go our own way, they got a shot. You have to put your own stamp on it. You will never catch that demon in a bottle again. You have to be okay with that. Agreed. I mean, that's all it is. It's about the impact the movie had, and that is the long and short of it. It's it's unquestionably unrepeatable. That's all. Yeah, and honestly, I think as a franchise, it takes a lot of licks, right? It kind of reminds me of when the Matrix trilogy came out, and people so disliked 2 and 3 for being very different that it kind of retroactively hurt the Matrix for a while, and the further out we've been, people are, okay, all right, not... We still love the Matrix that much. We'll try these again, whatever. I think Exorcist 3's had a little of that. Maybe Exorcist Beginning. I think Dominion and Heretic are still borderline unwatchable. Heretic's kind of fun in like a, you know, guy doing like a one-man like stage <laughs> production of like Shakespeare. And you're like, wait, what? Right. Like, all right, I'll watch this train wreck and have a couple beers. But I'm hoping that people <laughs> go back. And, and the thing is that when Exorcist is at its best, and Exorcist might be the best horror movie ever made. But even in part three, the Nazi scene in these prequel movies, there are some moments that when it's good, The Exorcist is as scary and impactful as any fucking franchise that's ever been made. And, you know, I think it's just the the cruel, cruel uh, results of high expectations a lot with this series. Don't disagree. All right, guys, that's it. That's enough of The Exorcist. We put away... Uh, God, very much like that franchise did. We put away these movies. We don't put away October. We're powering through with our horror movie mega marathon. Guys, we're getting into the fun stuff. Now it is time for the guest bonanza. So stay tuned. We have such awesome people that joined us this year. They picked great movies. They were so fucking fun and entertaining. We can't wait for you guys to hear what they brought. Uh, thank you guys for staying with us. We know it's a lot. Keep those notifications on. You should get a new one every single day. Make sure you're getting those. Uh, make sure you go to patreon.com slash filmalchemistpod. Uh, for as little as a dollar a month, guys, you can help the show out. It's the best way to help us. You can actually make the show exactly you want with a little bit uh, going up the rankings there. You can get the movies you want discussed. Uh, it means the world to us. Thank you for all the support, guys. The YouTube is Film Alchemist. The email is filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. We're on all the socials. We're easy to find more than anything. Thank you guys for helping us uh, make this October madness so you. worth it every year. <laughs>